following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am, as always, joined by my co-host, Christopher Smalls Angelos, who today is as optimistic as can be because obviously the Eagles won last night outright, made me look stupid on the podcast on Friday, and gave him a uh, level of optimism that Eagles fans haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> One thing about them is they, they they get real high or real low, right, Smalls? That's, that's the way we are, and uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. I think it's hilarious. Sports Talk Radio has completely flipped uh, from the last two weeks. It, it's amazing what a win does for people on Mondays. It's uh, the irrational people come out. And you know what? It, it's entertainment. It's entertainment at its finest. And there's no reason why I'm not saying Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> well, you got a quarterback in there now who has won a Super Bowl. But speaking of entertainment, uh, in all the time we've done this podcast, I believe this is going to be episode 97. We have typically had people totally in the sports world, but as Smalls has talked about before, I am quite nerdy. He has some very nerdy qualities, and we do enjoy meeting different people. And this week, I, I teasered it on the last show, but we have a comedian named Eagle Wit who joined us, and he is a uh, young stand-up comic in New York City. And Smalls, I love coaching, and it's difficult, but stand-up comedy, it... it might be a lot harder than coaching. The stuff that he told us, the way that he kind of cut his teeth and he's trying to make it now, I mean, what what an interview. Well, it was awesome. It sounds like the pits, man. I mean, like, it, it's great. Like, I think Eagle mentioned stuff that's very similar about coaching. Like, if you're in it for the wrong reasons and things like that, you're never going to make it. And it couldn't be more true when you have to do all of these shows throughout the year and you're broke as a joke. There's no... You know, no real money until unless you make it big, right? Or unless you're like consistent and he's doing 500 shows a year. The grind and the persistence and being able to handle adversity, all of that kind of comes into one. And Eagle kind of runs us through that, which was such a cool perspective to hear from and, uh, you know, relate it back in a way to athletics and coaching. Yeah, I was pretty fascinated when he was talking about trying to make it like getting in and, and trying to get booked and, you know, celebrities making drop-ins and he casually drops that he was hanging out with Artie Lang at the comedy cellar and you know that Pete Davidson's in his cell phone and it's like everybody you hear about these famous people and you don't kind of hear about their process and talked about bombing and being terrified to go on stage in the end yeah in 2017 he does 500 different shows and I don't know if we got a lot of math whizzes on here Smalls but 365 days a year yeah. that means he's doing more than one show a night and yeah, getting like around New York yeah, that's, that's pretty good. You got a calculator out for that or no? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just but, thinking about it. But it's it's like, you know, it, 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 the process is interesting. You know, we talk about like, hey, have you had any other jobs? And he basically says like, I was bad with money and I decided to dive right in. And it's, man, it's hard to do that, Smalls. And I'm, I'm, I was really impressed to hear about him. But also I was, I was really kind of blown away at what like the life of a young and up and coming comic is like. And, it, and, and for him, he talks about passion and, and, and pride about being on stage and stuff. And I thought like those parallels between coaching and just comedy, like that existed smalls. Like I could vibe with that. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and 
you talk about bombing on stage and having to go through those certain scenarios to just get better. Like you've got to just work it out by doing it. If that's not one of the most similar parallels, I don't know what is because especially we've talked about it through our careers and others that have joined us. It's, it's like that first time doing a scouting report or that first time going to recruit. Well, no one's really like great at it until you just do it. There's no like formula where you can be an expert right away. Some people have the gift a little more to excel in it earlier, but you really just have to do it and do it and watch more film, watch more kids play the game, watch different teams, things like that. That's the exact same with coaching and comedy. To me, comedy is like what Eagle said, get up on the stage, you know, have bad times, have some really high times and work it out and continue to get better and figure out what works for you and your process. That couldn't be more true. And I'm sure you agree with that in some way. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I definitely do. And I think, like I said, I thought it was interesting. He kind of walked us through like, and you know, this is where there is obviously not as many parallels, but for him, it's like when you get better, you're literally just getting up on stage and you're just doing the same bit over and over again. And you're, you're tweaking it a little bit here and there. And that's how you get better. You know, you're not standing in front of the mirror. You're not watching a ton of film. Like you're just you're feeling the audience. And he even talks about, you know, Kevin Hart dropping in on weeknights, trying to get better at comedy. And I, I think like stuff like that always makes me really excited to hear because it means that people who are at the top of their craft want to work and they want to continue to get better. And for him, it's getting up on stage and he walks this kind of a little bit through his process, doesn't really go super far behind the curtain in terms of what makes him special, but, uh, you know, talks about his process. And I thought like Smalls, like I agree with you. It's exactly like that a little bit, like doing another, doing a scouting report and overcoming your, your your fears in that regard and so you know i appreciate it and it was like i said very different for us but as interesting of an interview as we've ever done because it's you know it's not something that i'm familiar with like i said i you know i watch crashing great show watch mm-hmm. the big sick awesome movie you know i've watched a lot of dave Chappelle stand up i've watched a lot of chris rock a lot of cat williams but like i'm not you know i don't know what goes on i don't know how that business works it's like there's not a ton of super famous guys but yeah I will tell you one thing. I, I like comedy. I wish I would go to more comedy shows because I have a super good time. Like, I, I'm a guy who likes a couple beverages and to laugh. And I think it's a good atmosphere. It's a good vibe. It's a good, actually, you know what comedy is great for? It's a great start to the night, too. If you go hit a comedy show at eight and it finishes around 10 30, boom, that is the perfect layup to having a great I night. mean, Smalls, how good was his Comedy City review, by the way? Yeah, I felt like I was in an episode of Crashing, to tell you the truth. (laughs) Like, I really did. I felt like, oh, I I kind of, it was almost like imagery was inside of me. Like, I I knew I was smelling the streets of New York. I saw the dollar slice sign, the big glow. And then I went downstairs right into the (laughs) cellar. And I was like, wow, this is going to be a great night. And I ordered a nice cocktail. All this stuff kind of flew through a city review. It was it was really incredible. He, it was funny. Like we, we always talk about this, but like we, we do a better job, I think, than we think of guests getting comfortable. Because when he got comfortable, right around like the twenty minute mark, I mean, he just started once he once he turned all the sound off on his computer and uh, we we fixed the audio. Like he was he was good to go. And I would say the audio was a little bit crackly. You know, New York City Wi Fi is a tough situation to overcome, but we 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 rolled through it. Smalls, we did a good job. But as he got more comfortable, you could see his personality come out. And we talked about kind of like having to be on all the time. And I thought that was pretty interesting 
because you never know what a comedian's like when you're off stage. And he has a very, you could tell, like a very fun loving personality, but also like there's pressure there. Like there's some doubt. And he, and he talked with us about that. So I did appreciate that. A uh, couple housekeeping things. No new episode next Tuesday. We will air a little bit of a best of put together two, uh, I think, interviews that we both, Smalls and I, really enjoyed. Uh, Final Four themed next week on Christmas. But no interview episode on Tuesday next week. And then no new interview episode, excuse me. And then we will do Pick and Winners on Friday, uh, both this week and next week. So that will continue because I need to keep beating Smalls. I'm currently one game up in the uh, group standings. But yeah, so I just want to let people know on Christmas morning for all of our coaches, coaching friends out there, uh, nothing new for you to listen to, but a couple old interviews that we really enjoyed with a lot of really good advice from uh, two highly successful assistant coaches at the Division One level. So, but hopefully, Smalls, we get to do a couple more uh, out of the box type of create your shots Hell because yeah. I mean, you want to get it. You've always dreamed about standing up behind a microphone for sure. You know what? I'm not. Listen, I don't consider myself that. I'm thinking I'm more of a funny guy when I'm in a comfortable situation with friends. So I don't think I could ever do stand-up comedy. I think I would bomb, but I think it would be hilarious. So I do. I think that's one of my bucket list things. I do want to get up on an open mic and just try to run through some preparation comedy and see if I dominate. And honestly, if I bomb, I bomb. I think I'd be the type of guy who'd be having a couple anyway up on the stage. You strike me as more of a physical comedian than anything else. Like, yeah, I gotta gonna really, I gotta touch you. I gotta punch you in the chest because, like, that gets you going. They're, they're like, this guy's a little nuts. Like, if I can't like get in your face, it's tough. Maybe I'll do get in your face comedy, go into the crowd. I don't think that's a great idea, but it, it can't be a bad idea, probably. But it doesn't, it doesn't sound like an awesome idea. It sounds, I think one of the things we learned today was that comedy is a little more nuanced. But I will say this, and. I know I say stuff like this a lot, but for coaches out there, like, yes, you know, you do typically listen to us to, uh, you know, hopefully get information and and sort of, uh, you know, find more things that can advance your career. But this one is different. You know, he is not a coach. uh, And but when you feel a little bit bad about the fact that you're on the bus for like six hours, just remember that when you get home, like you get to go to bed and you get to go into the office the next day and there's not a lot of pressure about like where your next paycheck's coming you know, in the moment. So I think this is a good one for perspective for people in coaching who think it's really, really bad. Like there's other guys out there in other professions that are struggling too, and and they may be more successful in their career than you are in yours. So I do think that level of perspective is provided here. So for coaches who are going to turn it off and be like, I don't really want to hear about it. Like one, he's hilarious, but two, there there are some other things you can get out of this. It might just not be the best sideline out of bounds plays, right? Smalls. Yeah, if you're looking for ATOs in this episode, uh, you know, turn the channel. Maybe go over to the pickandpop.net, a former guest of ours. Zach, you know, that that that's what you need. This is going to provide some perspective. It's also, listen, fall up. The, the kids have finals. A lot of the D2, D3s are off for the holiday season. Sit back, relax, laugh. Look up some Eagle Wit Instagram. Look up some videos. Have a good time. His Instagram's unbelievable, Smalls. He's got, like I said, the best hair in comedy and a, a lot of, uh, you know, he pushed it to the limit with the humor. But I agree, Smalls. I don't think also, I don't think we have a, a, a tremendous reputation as the best X's and O's podcast. I think that, you know, I th- no, we definitely don't. Maybe we have the best <laughs> Jimmy's and Joe's podcast. Like there's a lot of guys out there that are like, hey, we'll go get a beer with Tyler and Smalls, but goddamn, we don't want to talk to them with the grease board out. We'd much rather, you know, talk to them about, you know, what, uh, 
what Blake Griffin was doing or something. You know, I don't know. But I don't think people are asking us for, for baseline out of bounds or sideline out of bounds. But maybe, you know, in the new year, as we work on some different things in, in the future, that, that will be what we talk about. But awesome. uh, a little bit longer on the intro. As always, we are Create Your Shot on Twitter, Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot on Facebook, Create Your Shot at gmail.com. Same thing goes uh, if you leave five stars and a review and you screenshot it and send it to one of those ways of getting in touch with us, I will send you a free koozie. Just make sure you send me your address, free shipping. And that, that's about it for us this week. Like I said, uh, uh, best of next week on Christmas, and I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas holiday. Picking winners will continue as normal uh, this Friday and next Friday, but that's about it for our announcements. So as always, thank you so much for listening as we move towards, towards our 100th episode. And uh, enjoy this week with Eagle Wit. Eagle Wit, real special guest tonight. Eagle is a uh, comedian in New York City. Uh, won a bunch of contests, stuff that I'd never heard of, but Devil Cup winner in 2017, 2018 Comedy Madness finalist. One of the youngest guys in the comedy cellar in the last you know decade for people that you know know about things like that. And he's actually hosting a new podcast on Underdog Sports called, called Hang Time. So we're going to talk with Eagle for a little while. It's a little different for us. We usually have coaches or people in sports, but uh, Eagle, thanks for joining us, man. And ha- how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think like for me and I think for people that, you, you know, listen to stand up comics and, and things like that, the, the lifestyle is, is very different. And I, I kind of want to just start out. I want to know, like, how, how did you get into comedy and how, how did you kind of, you know, break in and, and make a name for yourself? Pretty traditional, like started out with the open mics uh, and it, it went a little bit off tradition, but still kind of a similar path where. A lot of comics would get like booked on like bar shows by other comedians. That seemed like it was moving kind of slow for me. And I jumped kind of into comedy clubs a little bit early. Mm. And uh, I went from one comedy club to another, to another, to another. Then I just decided like, okay, let me knock the whole city out. Because I once heard like Dave Chappelle said the toughest thing he ever did in comedy was uh, completing the New York City comedy circuit. So I figured like if I can knock that out, that's the tough thing to do. And then everything else will be easy. So. I focused on knocking out all the clubs, and then the, before you know it, the comedians kind of jumped on the bandwagon, started giving me bar shows, and things just started moving along like that. But it all comes from just trying to be funny, as, as funny as possible. Like, if the goals are all, like, business-related, then you're never going to get anywhere. Like, you got to just be really, really funny. Eagle, how do you just show, can you just show up to a comedy club and say, like, yo, I want this spot at, like, 1045? Like, how does that work if you haven't built kind of a following? It depends on the level of comedy club and it depends on the level of who you are. Like if if you're like famous and like like actually famous, like not just like an Instagram following, but like if you're like Bill Burr, or like Kevin Hart or Louis C.K. as we still see, um, or, you know, like somebody, Chris Rock, anybody who's actually famous, you could literally just walk into a comedy club and be like, put me up and they'll put you up. But if you're uh, not famous, you can't really do that at most comedy clubs. It would have to be like a really low level comedy club. So how did you how did you kind of work that circuit? Like how did you 
break in to be like, all right, I'm going to do these comedy clubs. What was the progression from I'm not getting booked, but I'm going to get to comedy clubs? Like, did you have to do a bunch of contests? Was it social media? You know, your IG, you're very funny on there. Did you get, you know, how, how did you kind of break into that? I was, I didn't, it's weird. When I first started doing stand up, I didn't necessarily like, I don't want to say I didn't get along with other comedians because we got along, but it wasn't, I just didn't have a lot of friends in comedy because they were just different type of people. A lot of comedians are very like socially awkward, kind of like more like nerdy types. And I've never been socially awkward. I've never been like, we're just different. Like, like I come from a different background than most comedians. So we just didn't really click and they tend to book their friends and I wasn't really getting booked. And one of my friends in comedy had just passed out of comedy club. And they told me, they just got in a comedy club and they told me like, yo, you have to audition. Like, I think you could get in. And I was like six months in. And I was like, no, there's no way I could get in. I'm like, I'm not funny enough. But they kind of like, you know, pulled me by the arm and I auditioned <laughs> and I got in. And then it was like, wow, this is great. Like, I love being in the comedy club. And then before I knew it, I was just going around to each comedy club and finding out the process. Like, okay, what do I need? A recommendation from a veteran comedian? Do I need a credit? What do I need? Like, and most of the comedy clubs, if you could get a solid recommendation from a comedian that's like a veteran who's respected, who believes in your standup, they'll let you audition. And that's how I got around mostly is I would go through recommendations and then I would audition. And it was just like a steamroll, like every couple months it'd be a new club. And it's a process, even once you're in the clubs, like most clubs don't start you out as a paid comedian. Most clubs start you out, you're doing like late night, you're going up after the show. And if people stick around, they'll watch you. Or you're going up when the checks are out, which is a terrible time to go on stage. <laughs> nobody wants to laugh, right? Like, nobody's in the mood. <laughs> yeah, nobody's like, wait, what? $8 for a bottle of water? This guy's hilarious. <laughs> nobody cares about it. <laughs> Man, Eagle, what, what made you want to get into this industry, into the comedy industry? And, you know, obviously our podcast is about coaching, and that industry in itself is a little crazy, but... I feel like you, where did that stem from originally? People told me to do it a lot, like in an annoying level. <laughs> like it was great. I had, I mean, I remember I was mad. I was a bad kid in high school. And I remember one of my principals would like, I hear him giving kids advice on what they should do career wise. Yeah. And all his advice for them was so dope. Like it was like, you need to go to school for this. Like it was like really like professional shit. And then for me, he was like, you should be like a radio personality. You ever thought about doing stand-up? And it's like, really, bro? Like, you can't give me a real thing to do? My laptop is going off right now. I don't know if you guys hear this. Yeah, we, we oh, hear it. That's cool. We hear it. We love it. That's we real time. It. That's like, you know, we know you're really popular, man. You're just <laughs> back. You're getting them thrown your way. We need you here. We need you there. That's all. When, I, I want to know, like, when did you know? Because that's that's something that's really interesting to me. When did you know this was the right thing for you and that? You wanted to go all out in it. I think there was a, you know what it was? There was a moment where I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't working hard at stand up, and I thought I was. And I met, that's how, that's how I became cool with uh, my best friend in comedy is because he kind of like woke me up to like, yo, bro, you're never going to make it because you're not working hard. And like, there was a moment where I was like, okay, it's not that hard for me. Like, I'm, I'm kind of good at it. Like, I know, I, I kind of know how to make people laugh on stage, right? But, like, I was only getting up once a week, which is nothing in comedy. And he kind of showed me, like, hey, look at all these people that you've known for this amount of time that were terrible, and now they're super funny. Could you imagine what would happen if you actually just worked as hard as they work? And it kind of clicked, like, oh, I need to work hard at this. 
how, how did you organize that work? Like, how did, how did you, uh, a lot of times, at least for me, and I'm talking from my perspective, I kind of have to plan out a strategy and like those certain goals. Did you have that where you like, I'm going to do this, this and that I'm going to get up on stage eight times a week and this is how I'm going to do it. And then just sacrifice for like an entire stretch of time. It It's literally like looking back on it. It's like, it's like borderline insanity. Yeah. Like it's crazy. It's like you're not a person anymore. Like you just, I would literally wake up and it was like, okay, so New York City is the mecca for stand up. Like you could get on stage here to tell jokes more than anywhere in the world. Yep. So like it would literally be like, all right, I'm going to wake up, get ready, go out in the afternoon. I'd leave my crib at like, I don't know, like 3, 4 p.m., maybe 5 p.m. And hit mics all day into the night if I didn't have shows. And it would literally be like you just walk from mic to mic or you take the train from mic to mic. Usually you're traveling with a bunch of comedians and you just go, go, go. And it's like time no longer is a thing. Like you're losing track of months. Like the first like two years of me doing stand up, it just flew. Like I don't even remember it. Like it was like a blur. And like things are happening, like you're progressing and things are happening good career wise. But like there's so little that you don't even really feel them. <laughs> what's it, what's the process like when you're working on a set? Like, cause you're going to go up sometimes and you're, uh, you're going to bomb, right? Like you're going to work on some jokes. You're going to work on your delivery. And it's just not going to go well. What's that process? Like, it's just attrition. You just battle through it. Like, you know, you're close on a set and you're like, I'm going to keep doing it or, or what? Like, how does that work when you're writing, you know, if you're on for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or something like that? Okay. So when I first started doing stand up, I was scared to get on stage, right? Like really scared to get on stage. And I used to hit up this kid. He was the only person I've ever seen at the time around my age doing stand-up. And I saw him at the comic strip. I hadn't done any stand-up yet. And it's uh, uh, Jordan Rock, right? Which is Chris Rock's little brother. He's like a year or two older than me. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a good comic. And I had hit him up. And I remember going like, yo, man, I'm so scared to get on stage. Like, you got any advice to kind of like push me to get on stage? And he goes, yo, bro, it's literally just trial and error. And that is exactly what the process is when it comes to like bombing and doing good. It's just like you try some, you try, you try a line, you know, it works or it doesn't work. And then the next time you get on stage, you try it a different way. It works or it doesn't work. And like, as long as you believe in the bit enough, you'll keep trying. But if you try it and and the way they react is to such a level where you were, at least for me personally, if I try something and the crowd reacts to such a negative level that I just lose belief in the bit, I'll just stop trying it. I'll just postpone it till later. I'll be like, I'll come back and try it again in like six months. Because sometimes something is because you're not there yet. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like an analogy for like sports. It's almost like, I don't know, like somebody trying to dunk in like seventh grade and they're getting rim stuffed. And it's like, they're not going to stop trying to dunk. They're just going to try it again later on. Like, all right, I'm not ready yet. Like, Sometimes you're just not ready for the idea you have. Like, you don't know how to do stand-up that well yet. Right. The bit might not go over great, but it's not negative. Like, people aren't, like, you know, they're not booing or they're just, like, not looking around. It's not crickets. It's just like, all right, maybe it's not there. Like, I I totally understand that. So you went from being scared to be on stage to doing almost 500 shows in 2017. Am I right about that? (laughs) Yeah, you are right. Yeah. (laughs) that that is, like, that's unreal. Like, so what? when was the moment where you were like, yo, this is... This is okay. Like, did you go up the first time and you were real nervous, second time slightly less nervous? Or when you threw yourself into it, you were just like, fuck it, I'm all in. I tried stand-up at an open mic at Stand-Up New York, and I was so nervous, I told my jokes backwards. I told the punchline, then the premise. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it probably it probably wasn't very funny to be honest. Not very funny. It was very bad, and I got like I got like sympathy last, which is worse than silence because you know in your heart you're like this is not real. It was so bad, and I remember I quit for like three weeks. I was like I'm not doing stand up. That's not for me. And I tried it again because my sister. Uh, if she ever hears this, and I don't say because my sister, she'll lose her mind. I, I once talked about it and didn't mention her, and she hit me up like, <laughs> you didn't mention that it was me? I'm like, okay. So my sister kind of like forced me back into it, and I tried it again, and I got a big laugh. Like, I bombed, but like one point in my set, in like a 10-minute set, at one point, I got a big laugh, and I was hooked. I was like, that's all I needed. Yeah, that's like an adrenaline rush for you, right? Like, that's... It's almost like an addiction. Now you got to get that every time. So it kind of motivated you to go out and keep doing it and maybe motivation for those 500 shows. Yeah, for sure. It motivates you. I mean, you're still nervous as, as fuck. Like I, I I was so nervous for so long, but eventually, eventually nerves completely leave you. Like eventually, like I almost never get nervous now. Like I, it's got to be a real big deal for me to get nervous, like for me to feel it. Like I've been like, I just got past the seller. I I was nervous a little bit the first week, but even that's leaving me now. Like it's rare to get nervous now. Guys, we got to take a quick break. You know that Smalls and I have been waiting for months for sports, just like we know that you guys have. And there is no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partners at Bet Online. Sports have come back. MLB, NBA, NHL. They've joined UFC, boxing, NASCAR, soccer, F1, PGA, and BetOnline has all the best odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. And if you need more than that, BetOnline also has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every single day for you to check out. Looking for something other than sports, maybe? Maybe you want to play poker. Maybe you want to play some casino games. Maybe you want to bet props. BetOnline has the best props in the business. So visit BetOnline.ag or use your mobile advice and join now to receive your welcome bonus and start playing. If you use the promo code podcast one. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E. You'll receive a sign-up bonus. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And now, back to Eagle Wit. Would you get more nervous if, like, I don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show how little I know about comedy that hasn't been on, like, you know, in, in Crashing or in, like, the movie with, uh, I can't think of uh, the big sick, you know what I mean? Like, will you get nervous if there's, like, a, a network exec or someone in the audience or, like, you know, a movie person? Like, is that the ultimate goal, Eagle? Like, is that where it's tr- you're trying to go? You want to be on TV? You want to be in movies? Like, what's the actual, not necessarily like the end game, but, you know, what, what's the, the career goals? You know, what, what do you look at when you, you get up today and you're like, I'm going to go do five mics because it's fun, but also I got to pay the bills. You know, where, where do you see yourself in five, 10 years? Um, I think the goal is always to just be, at least for me, <laughs> this is kind of a crazy thing to say, but I, I want to be just the greatest stand-up ever, and I feel like everything else comes with that. Like, you can't be Richard Pryor without being a movie star, without having millions of dollars, without having groupies. You know, like, you'll be rich and famous if you're great at what you do. So it's just like, I just, I just, the goal is to be great at what I do. And then, and so far, everything else has been coming with it. And it's just like, I, I genuinely feel that way. I think if you're head and shoulders above everyone else in making people laugh, everything else will come. So it's just like, I'm cool with everything else. Like, I'm not a huge fan of acting, but I'm willing to do it if it grows the fan base and makes it so I can do more stand-up and makes it so the money is there. Um, But, like, the passion is stand-up for sure. Like, I love stand-up. But, of course, yeah, you want to be rich and famous. Everybody does. It's great. But, like, like yeah, it's it's awesome. But I just feel like it's something that comes with it. you got to love what you're doing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like if you're good at what you do, this stuff will come. Let me let me ask you one question here before, and I'll let Small. I know Smalls has a good one, so I don't want to cut him off. But so, do you have to be on all the time? Like when we talk about like being rich and famous, and like what goes with being a comedian? Like I'm going to tell you, one of the most disappointing moments in my life is when Dave Chappelle was taking his sort of like sabbatical. We were in Dayton, Ohio, when I was working at Temple University, and and for some odd reason, I guess he was living out there in Ohio. I was at the same bar as Dave Chappelle. He was just drinking. And he just didn't look super happy. He wasn't telling jokes. I was like, oh, my God, is that Dave Chappelle? He was a lot bigger. And I was like, man, maybe Dave Chappelle just, like, isn't happy with his life after he signed, like, a $75 million deal with uh, Comedy Central. Do you find right now that, like, you just have to be on all the time if you're in public? And is that a hard sort of, like, expectation to meet because, like, you're the funny guy? Or, or is it not like that? I think it's it's probably a little bit of an expectation. But I don't think it plays much in my head. I don't think comedians really care about like what people expect from them off stage. You know what I mean? Like the sad clown thing is very real. You know, like comedians are like yeah. more than likely sad people. They're depressed people. And it's like, I don't think they really care. Like they're just like, whatever, as long as you laugh when I'm on stage, I don't care what you think of me off stage. Like, especially somebody like Chappelle, like he's a nice dude, really nice dude. But I don't think he, I don't think he cares about like making people laugh off stage as much. He's probably just like in his zone. He lives out there in Ohio, so like I don't know. Yeah, he said no. He was he was cool. Like he he didn't want uh he didn't want a picture. Like he wouldn't let me take a picture, which was cool. But he was like a nice guy. You know what I mean? He didn't like push me away or claim it wasn't him or anything. Like he was just having a beer at a at a place called One Eyed Jacks in Dayton, Ohio. It was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. I was like, yo, I watch your TV show every night when I was in high school. God, you were such but, a nerd, probably. Oh, uh, I was I was real nerdy about that. I mean, he was a massive star. Like, come on, Smalls. Like, hey, man, I knocked it me, off man. my bucket list. I got to see Dave Chappelle this year at a punchline. Uh, a random show popped up. We grabbed tickets. I ran over to punchline, got a nice burrito and a beer. It was awesome. <laughs> like, Dave Chappelle was electric. It was one of the funniest things I've ever been a part of. So that was awesome for you. I guess Eagle, what's what's been your, you know, most significant moment or or most happiest moment on stage to date for yourself? A real recent one is definitely you know getting past to the comedy cellar. It's a big deal for comics. Yeah. It was it was yeah. it was a, a very cool moment. You know, uh, I got off stage. Dave Attell told me I was funny, which was like crazy. That's big. Uh, that's big. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, I don't know. I, I guess that's a good one. You know, like I've had a bunch of good ones, but that was like the most recent one for sure. When that happens, like that moment, like when you're like, I'm on stage, I'm the king of the world. How do you kind of celebrate that? Because it, like Tyler said earlier, and you, you confirm you did 500 shows in a year. So do you ever take a time to like sit and be like, this is like incredible. Like I'm doing my thing. I'm like, I'm elevating myself. Do you ever take time to really enjoy the victories? I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's such a good question, man. I mean, honestly, like, man, we talk about it in coaching, like all the time, man, like you go through and we are coaches for like five years. And, you know, I look back and I don't think I enjoyed the wins as much as I should have. You know what I mean? You hunt like the next big thing more so than you appreciate, like, wins or or more so than you appreciate a moment in your life like you don't stop and think about it because you're just like all right this was a high i I need to get i need to get more of a high you know we've talked about that a lot eagle that it's like it's a tough situation when you're just like you said you're intrinsically motivated and the money's great but it's also like why do you do what you do so sorry to interrupt but yeah i think it's a good question no i mean it is a good question i mean i don't know i guess i i guess i i don't really i mean like 
I do. Like, I'm a very, like, very, very in the moment. Like, I don't drag the moment out. And and now I'm thinking maybe I should more. <laughs> I mean, like, I literally, like, even with the seller thing, like, I got done and I was hyped and I kind of, like, jumped around a lot, you know? And, like, I took a picture. I was at the seller and I was happy. I was smiling. But then I literally had to go run and get on stage again somewhere else. Like, I had to go to another comic club and do another smile. <laughs> so it was, like, back to work. Like, I- Boy, it keeps you it keeps you humble, right? Like, you're not you, – you almost have to be humble. Yeah. You can't not be humble at that point because you're right. You're, you're like, I just did, you know, arguably the biggest club in New York, but now I'm going to do another club because I made that commitment and I got to keep doing this. Yeah, it's, I, it's had, I had, like, a dollar in my pocket that night. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't – <laughs> like, I'm broke. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like <laughs> – I don't know. I literally just, I was happy. Like, okay, now that's another thing I did. That's out of the way. Now time to go continue to do stand-up. I don't know. Yo, I want to ask you about being broke real quick, if I can. Because we came out like coaching. We had to get all these different jobs and stuff to kind of support that, like, just, you know, kind of regular lifestyle, being able to coach and things like that. Have you ever had any, you know, complimentary or supplementary jobs to kind of you know, get different sources of income or has it just been, you know, I'm straight comedy grind and I'll work it out when I work it out? Uh, when I was doing mics, I had like moments in time where I had like jobs or whatever, but I've always been real immature with money. When I was younger, you know, like I live with my dad or whatever. So it was like whatever. But then once comedy clubs started, you know, giving hints of like paying me, even though they don't pay a lot, but they do pay it became like, a, all right, I'm going to just focus on stand-up now. Like, because now I see like, oh, if they're starting to pay me right now, that means there's a future of me making money in this. So I just went straight mm-hmm. and just stopped everything else and only do stand-up. And it sucks. It's very up and down. Sometimes I'm super up and sometimes I'm super down. And there's like no in between. Like, there's literally no in between. Like, stand-up, the money comes so fast because you're really not doing a lot of work in the moment for that money. It's a lot of work overall, but the actual job of like, okay, we got, we want you to do an hour at a college for $1,500. You're literally getting paid $1,500 for an hour's worth of work. Like, so it comes fast, but then it doesn't come again. You know what I mean? Like there's so many breaks where you're just not getting paid to do standup. And if you do the, if you do like the college tour or whatever, and they're not close, then you, you miss out on being on stage and is out of sight, out of mind, like an actual thing. Like if you're in a club like pretty regularly, people will come to see you and you can maybe build momentum. But if you're not around, do you still continue to get calls to get booked at certain places? That's a great question, too. And that's great for any uh, comedians tuning into this, which is out of sight, out of mind is very real, like very, very real. Like comedians will complain all the time about clubs that don't book them. And it's like, yeah, but when's the last time has that you've been in front of the booker, not even on stage, just like had a conversation with them or like been around them? Like, how are people supposed to remember you like you only think about people that you see all the time. Like you don't think about people that you haven't seen in forever. So like sometimes it doesn't even have to do with how funny. Just like you're not around. How political is the business, Eagle? Before we'll go into we'll go into uh, some stuff about your podcast and some sports stuff in a second. But h- how political is this? Like how hard is it? Like you said early early in the episode, like guys book their friends or they book people that they know. But like. Is it pretty political at the highest level? Like you said, if you're not super famous, like if Aziz Ansari wants to go to the comedy cellar, he can get in the comedy cellar whenever he wants. But for all you guys fighting for, you know, that next stop to make it, is it a really political industry? Like, do you get situations where certain people don't like you and they just won't book you? Not you specifically, but the business? There's definitely very frustrating aspects of of, uh, show business and comedy for sure. Uh, But what you'll see is like, 
the people who are getting things that don't necessarily deserve what they're getting, it will level out. Like they don't, they don't last, if that makes sense. Like I haven't been doing stand up long enough to even say that from my own personal experience, but just from the outside looking in, you can see that the cream actually does rise to the top where it's like it, the industry usually, in my opinion, doesn't really know who's the funniest. They just know what's right now. They're like, okay, well, right now we need somebody who's politically correct. We need somebody who's this. We need somebody who's that. But they don't necessarily know what the people want. Because if you look at like the majority of the comedians that have become like iconic or huge comedians, you know, they weren't necessarily like industry picks from when they were young. Like it kind of took them a while to kind of gain momentum because they, they had to really prove, hey, people love me. Like audiences love me. Like you're going to make money off me because people love me. And that's what changes things. Like nobody, I mean, look at Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is like 4'11", basically, and he's dark skinned. Like he's not somebody that they want to market, but he's so lovable. People love him. And eventually it just gets to a point where it's like, well, you're going to lose money if you don't make Kevin Hart a star because he's just a money. And like, or anybody, you know, you look at. He's going to he's going to make it without he's going to make it without you, basically, is what you're saying. Like one guy doesn't sign him. It's, it's not going to matter. Like, yeah. Like when Kevin Hart came out, like, I mean, you know, now you can say whatever you want. I'm, I'm not going to give a, a, an opinion on his art now. But when he came out, I mean, it's almost undeniable how funny he was when he first came out. Like when he first came out, he was head and shoulders above everyone else. And he was like so likable and just different. It's like. You can't hold that down for long. Like, that's going to persevere. It's going to eventually come to the top. His comedy eagle strikes me. I know you don't want to give an opinion, so I'll give a little bit of an opinion, and you can just say yes or no, and then we'll move on. But he strikes me as kind of like a musician who, when they start, they're really into, like, they're really passionate about what they do, and they're a little bit different. And then when they go mainstream, it's like, okay, well, I can reach a billion people if I do a movie with Ice Cube where I'm his little brother in, like, a cop car. Even if it's like, man, you're, you're not, you know, you're not like edgy and really that funny anymore, but you can make, I mean, he's probably worth $500 million. And like, that's kind of how I view him now. Like, whereas, you know, Laugh Out Loud tour was funny as hell, but like, he doesn't really do that anymore. It's not as, not his bread and butter. He doesn't need to be selling out, you know, he would do MSG or like Wells Fargo in Philly because he's from there, but it doesn't really make sense for him to be doing stadiums every night anymore because he can make $20 million to do some piece of shit movie with The Rock, right? No, I mean, I'm no. assuming that's... The Rock's name out of your mouth, bro. Uh, <laughs> all right, first... My guy. First, first, I'd like to say... This is this is, this is is uh, Tricky Waters. First, I'd like to say, uh, love Kevin Hart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, No, no, no. I, I, get, I get it. I get it. I, I just am saying, like, you're, what you said, like, the money comes with it. You don't love acting, but if it happens and there's a lot of money that's involved... You, take the role. You make some concessions. Yeah, and it builds your audience. I will say he, uh, and this isn't just to say something that sounds good. He, I mean, he still tours a lot. You know, you go to Kevin Hart's website, you go look up Kevin Hart tickets. He's on the road more than I think anyone who's been on his level of movie stardom. Like he, he's on the road a lot. He works his ass off. He works his ass off. Like he still grinds. Yeah, he does a lot of stand up. Like that's why he can still come out with an hour like every two years is because like he's out there. It's not as many dates as when he was younger, of course, because he's got movies to film and all this other stuff. But he'll take a good couple months out of the year and just hit the road hard and do an hour everywhere. You know, like he goes all over, leaves the country to do an hour. I think 
it does change his stand-up, the fact he has a broader audience to reach, and I think that's probably what makes it feel a little more watered down than the early Kevin stuff, is because it's, it's more broad, because mm-hmm. he has to hit more people. And it's like, the more people you try to appease with your stand-up, the, it's almost like the less perspective that you can put into your stand-up, because people are going to start disagreeing with what you're saying. Like, you already see that people are attacking him. And it's like, it's, it's a very hard thing to entertain the whole world. Because eventually someone's going to be like, oh, well, that doesn't resonate with me. And I I think more than anything, like, because, I mean, I've seen Kevin do drop-ins at comedy clubs, you know what I mean? Like at at little comedy clubs with 90 people in it up until last year. You know what I mean? Like literally just last year. There was a megastar. Mm -hmm. And he came into a comedy club with 90 people in it multiple times in one week to just work on new jokes. And when people are screaming, he tells them like, hey, you guys, I know y'all love me. I'm here to work. And, like, got to it. And it's like, I can't help but respect the fact he's still trying to be dope at stand-up. Like, still. That's, yeah, it's awesome because he doesn't, he shouldn't have to do it, you know, if he doesn't want to. Let's uh, let's talk about your podcast, Eagle. Let's talk about it. Hang time. Why don't you tell us uh, kind of what you're doing and, and who you're working with and what the goal and everything of the podcast is? I am, um, let me let me get all this information right. <laughs> They're going to kill me. <laughs> Any of this information wrong. And um, just give me one second. It's gonna be super official. Yeah, you gotta make you gotta make it official. That's the big key in the biz. Uh, we'll teach you about the biz. No big deal. There are a couple of people that I'm working with on this. Uh, one, his name is Will Posnan. He's a stand-up comedian, a good friend of mine. And then we have another one whose name is Kia Stokes. I don't know if you guys know who Kia is. You guys are into sports. You might, yeah. WNBA player, WNBA Stokes. Player. She's a young WNBA player uh, for Liberty, I believe. And she's dope. She's absolutely dope. Um, yeah, she's super dope, and it's really fun, man. Like honestly, we've been doing run-throughs, and it's great. So you guys are just talking about basketball? You talking about just sports in general? Like what's out there right now that's making headlines for you for for the Hang Time podcast? You talking about LeBron? You talking about Zion Williamson? What what's out it's there? It's funny. We were just talking about Zion earlier this afternoon. Me, Kia, and Will. We were talking about Zion. Uh, we were talking about uh, Luca. Um, we were talking about so many people. We talk a lot about sports, but we also talk a lot about pop culture too. It's it's literally just a mix of perspectives from like an athlete to comedians to see like where the perspective lands in the middle i mean we talked about like the beef between like drake and kanye like we talk about whatever you know it eventually all comes back around to the nba we tend to talk about the nba a lot occasionally we'll talk about like women's basketball too of course you know this kia is playing overseas right now and she plays in wnba when the season's on so we'll talk a lot about what that's like and like it's really interesting because we really go into each other's worlds a lot yeah, and I think you can learn so much about going into other people's worlds as we we figured out on this podcast when you know you're introduced to that you can draw parallels to your own profession but also learn how to do some things better. I think I think some pe- people do things better in different industries and you kind of learn from that as well. What when's the uh when's the when's the first episode coming out, Eagle? Uh, uh, <laughs> um yeah, you know I- I think it's coming out Thursday. I think, you know, we got a couple more minutes on this podcast, so I'll find out by the end of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, no, it's it is it is this it's it is this week. Surprise! You know, we're 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 in on a little cross marketing over on this one. So it is this week. I just wasn't sure what day it was. I didn't get that info either. But well, Eagle, you just go. You got to follow my Instagram. You got to follow my Instagram. That I'll let you know when it's going to drop. I'll send a big post out. That's that's the trick in the biz when you don't know something. It's going to drop on my and Instagram. and <laughs> if you follow Eagle's Instagram, you get to he does some some clips from his set and stuff that are pretty pretty funny actually. So, you know. Is a, is a, oh, the podcast comes out next Monday. There you go. Okay, next Monday? Okay. And, uh, yeah, my Instagram is ratchet. My Instagram is a mess. It's a mess. Follow it if you want, like, love and hip-hop type of content. Like, it is a mess. I just followed it, and I'm about to dig into it tonight. That's my nightly plan, and I'm, I'm excited for it, to tell you the truth. Thank you for the follow. Uh, Eagle, one thing we one thing we always do on this podcast we have two two more segments, but one thing we always do in Smallsville Guide Tour is we do a city review because the 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 kind of precedent behind it was that coaches would be in a random city recruiting and they wouldn't know where to go, they wouldn't know like a restaurant or a good bar or whatever. So we kind of want to do it like comedy style, like you're gonna you're gonna take us one night, like we're gonna be on with you on a Friday night, right? And we're gonna be just watching where you're going. We're gonna eat at the places you go. Can you kind of guide us through a Friday night with Eagle Wit if you're hitting a bunch of mics? Oh, let's do it. All right. So we're going to show the show, right? I'm going to like give reviews, yep. comedy, affect yep. everything. You got it. So let's say we go to LOL Comedy Club, right? That is by Times Square. It is kind of like a, like a, not the best comedy club, but it's, it's the type of thing. It's a, it's a it's a touristy club. It's right in the heart of Times Square. They charge too much for everything, but you're gonna get a show with comedians where every comedian's crushing. It's gonna be a fun show. It's gonna be packed out, and you're probably gonna leave upset with how they treated you in the comedy club, but not upset with the show itself. The show's gonna be good. Um, yeah. Uh, then we're gonna go, and you're not gonna get any food around there because it's Times Square and all the food sucks. Like, what do you want, McDonald's? Like, <laughs> I love it. I love that you're gonna give us some authentic spots to stop. And I'll tell you right now, if I'm not, if it's not 4 a.m. and I'm not ripping cigs with Artie Lang with and you guys, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna call it a successful night. <laughs> yeah, it's like with Artie. It was not just with Artie. I was with Artie last night at the cellar. That's so funny. Yeah. Artie's <laughs> okay. Great. I can't wait. We're, we might actually do this live city review one time with you. Oh my god. <laughs> well, okay, so we'll go from there, right? Let's say we go then to uh, New York Comedy Club, which is a great comedy club. Let's go to they got two locations now. Let's go to the one in Gramercy because I like Gramercy a lot. Uh, it's just gonna be a bomb show. It's gonna be a great show. They're gonna treat you good when you're in there. It's gonna be great. Um, you'll probably have some uh, like one or two, probably a big name comics, maybe. Uh, it'll be a great show from top to bottom. And once again, still going to wait off on the food. There's a reason I'm holding off on the food. There is good food around there. Like that, that area has the best corner store in the city, in my opinion. Wow. High praise. It's, it's called empire and it's on like uh 24th and first Ave or something like that. So good. Like it's crazy how good their food is. All right. You're, you're starving me. You're building me up. I like it. Building you up for a reason. So when we go to the oh, cellar, right, we're going to close out the night at the cellar. The cellar has, like, the olive tree has great food. Like, right above the cellar, their little restaurant has great, 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 great food. And they've got the best wings in the city. Like, it's super good. Um, 
Yeah, and I'll use my discount. We're gonna get the we're gonna get the half off. <laughs> but it's we, go. we love it. Good por- it's good portions too. You'll be stuffed. It's good food. They got a live band during the weekend. You said a Friday. They got a live band upstairs, and then you go downstairs. You're gonna catch easily the best show in the city. There'll be probably like some famous drop-ins or something. And even if we weren't supposed to eat there, across from the cellar is my favorite place to eat in this city. The place called Mighty Bowl. And it's like some type of like, I don't know if it's Asian. I don't know what it is, but it's like you build your own bowl and they like make the food fresh in front of you. It's healthy. It tastes good. It's filling. It's it's like not super expensive. Super lit. So good. Oh, man. I'm not, now I'm really excited. That's what I'm talking about. That's a night. <laughs> That's a, and and how, are we, how do you go between? You just hop the subway or, or what? Like, how do you get from show to show? Usually hop the subway unless there's some, um, you know, usually hop on the subway unless there's some like comedy clubs that are close to each other. Sometimes you walk it, but usually subway, subway or Uber. Like if you're running late, you're running we're, really we're late. We're going to spring for black car Uber for this. Um, it's going to be on Creator <laughs> Shop. We're going to get a nice black car, like an Escalade, and we're going to drop out. They're going to roll the red carpet out. Smalls, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be going nuts. So I might get kicked out of all the clubs, but we'll see. Cool. Eagle, what time is your what time is your head hitting the pillow on a typical Friday night? Oh God, man, this is going to be a gross answer. You're going to be like, this is ridiculous. I go to sleep like seven, eight in the morning. Like it's so bad. That's a, that's absurd. When I asked you, okay, just for the listeners out there, when I asked Eagle when we could schedule, I told him we could film it. We could tape at nine a.m. on Monday morning. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. That was. He's like, this fucking guy has no idea what's going on. All right, let's uh, let's go 10 touches real quick. Uh, real quick, rapid fire question and answers. We got 10 questions. Uh, I got the first five. Who's the funniest athlete in your opinion? Uh, 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 LeBron or Kawhi Leonard's laugh? <laughs> Kawhi Leonard's laugh. That, that's fair. I was gonna. I thought maybe you'd give us Blake Griffin. He actually does some stand-up. He does some improv. Who's the, who's the corniest athlete out there right now? Who's the corniest athlete you said? Yeah. Yeah, who's the corniest? Uh that uh pass, can we come back to it? <laughs> yeah. We... Oh wait, no, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is the corniest. <laughs> oh man. I'm a big tiger guy. <laughs> what are you uh current what are you currently binge watching if you have time? No oh, man, this is so embarrassing, but I've been watching the good place. Yo, I just finished that. No joke. That show's hilarious. Yo, it's awesome. Season. I-, I wish they had a couple more seasons because it was just dragging me around. Ted Danson. It just got it just got picked up, so there'll be another one. Let's go. Um, what what comedians do you look up to the most in the business right now? Uh, I I mean like the the usual suspects like the like the Dave Chappelle's and the Chris Rock's and the Kevin Hart's and the you know Louis I know I know he did the shit but as a stand up he's phenomenal and uh, Bill Burr and you know like the usual greats and there's a couple veterans that I just really admire too like Ricky Velez and there's there's some guys out there that you guys are gonna know their names shortly like real shortly they're really really funny you know David Tell's really nice to me I really look up to him he's very funny. Um, there's, there's a bunch that are around that are going to be some big names. Very soon. Uh, last one for me, when you make it big enough or you might be big enough now, what, what's going to be your rider requests when you're doing a show like that? <laughs> what do you, what do you mean rider requests? 
That's like when you get your own dressing room and you can like request whatever you want in there. They put in like whatever food you want or like some people need like a TV. And I want a mix of purple and green. Like that's. Oh man, I'm so, I'm so like not a diva. Like I really literally just need like a room temperature bottle of water. And (laughs) like, I don't trust Chinese food in any place outside of New York really. And I love Chinese food, but outside of New York, it's trash. So like. I would say that, but only in New York, I would need some Chinese food. Everywhere else, nah, I just need a room temperature bottle of water, like, maybe, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm chilling. Like, I don't really need much. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, what would you do if you weren't a comedian? If I wasn't a comedian, in a dream world, like, if I could also be, like, 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 build myself as a person? I would, I would actually say, what would you, like, right now, like, if I said... I would take away your comedy career right now. What would you go and do as a profession? Oh man, I'd be fucking homeless. I got no skip. I'd be begging. <laughs> uh, but if I could build myself, I'd be an NBA player. That'd be dope. <laughs> That'd be so good. Right, yeah, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. What's the worst worst heckle you've ever heard? Oh, this is great. I've got a very specific story. Uh, I was on stage at LOL, which can once again it can get kind of shitty. I was at LOL and everything's going great. And I've got like half the crowd is black, half the crowd's white, very big audience, very mixed crowd, uh, sold out. I'm almost done with my set. And this hillbilly tourist white dude, hick guy from like Alabama or something, is in the front row with his wife and he screams out, I'm tired of all this. <laughs> and I. <laughs> was it Clayton I, Bixby? Was that not, his name? Bond with. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it sounded like out of a Dave Chappelle sketch. Like it, it was crazy. <laughs> Maybe that's where uh, Dave got that skit from. Oh my god! All right, crazy. tough. <laughs> tough transition. Worst time you've ever. Um, worst time you've ever insulted someone in the audience, like someone you said that you made feel bad after the fact. Ooh, that's such a good question too. I, you know what? I don't, I can't remember a specific time, but I do feel like I've probably broken up relationships. And I feel like a lot of comedians have probably been there. I feel like if you do relationship crowd work, there's a chance you're gonna, you're gonna fuck up a relationship. Like you could find out a dude's cheating by accident, <laughs> like stuff like that. Like stuff like that slips out. It's a weird thing. I, I've never talked about it before, but. I saw TJ Miller in, uh, I live in Nashville, Eagle, and I saw TJ Miller and he, somebody shouted a heckle like in the row in front of me. And he was clearly there with like his girlfriend or wife or whatever. And he just like let loose that like he had bought like a hooker or whatever. It was so crazy. And the guy actually got up and left in the middle. I was like, I mean, he just like went after him and just like skewered him in front of like a thousand people. I was like, not, not good. I don't understand why people heckle though. Like I don't get it. Like the funny guy is on stage. Like, what are people thinking? What are you just not going to say anything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I don't know why you go. It's not a respected art form, man. It's like you don't heckle when you watch opera. You know, like Chris Rock always said, like no one goes to Broadway and heckles at a play. Like it's just stand-up's not respected. You know, like unless you're like a real, real super famous person, and even they get heckled sometimes. Like. It's just people just go to comedy shows and they go, you're a regular guy. I'm funny. I make my friends laugh. Like, how come I can't be funny? Like, you're fun. Like, it's like a challenge to some people. <laughs> it's Twitter trolls in real life. All right. Shadiest club you've ever performed in? 
<laughs> I feel like I keep on throwing this club under the bus. It's so funny. LOL. Uh, <laughs> LOL, baby. Yes, baby. And I can't wait. That's going to be an experience for me. Most famous person in your cell phone? Uh, Pete Davidson, probably. Parting shots. Last two questions we ask every guest. Eagle, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Oh, shit. I got some really good advice, and I'm drawing a blank on it right now, and it's so good. It's the best advice I've ever been given, hands down. Fuck, what is it? It's something comedy-related. Oh, I'm dying right now. So I can't think of it. Yo, let me ask the second question, and you can not really think about my question, but think about the first one. Face-to-face with your 18-year-old self, what are you telling that person? Start doing stand-up right now. Easy. Just do, get into it. Easy. Do 500 shows, so by the time you're 21, you're electric. You're Kevin Hart. Is that what you're telling me? Ooh, you know what? Right now, and uh, and um, don't take off the condom until you're married, because once you take it off, you're not going to want to go back to condoms. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, amen. That, that is, that's the best advice we've ever gotten on this show, I think, for people out there, young people that listen. So... Uh, all right, man. This is Eagle Wit. If you want to follow him on Instagram, he is at Eagle Wit on Instagram. And take a listen to the Hang Time podcast. Comes out on Monday. I'm hoping it's already in the iTunes store so people can go subscribe. But Eagle, we will not keep you any longer. I know you're going to go mic to mic. Probably got five shows to The Instagram for the uh, Hang Time podcast is Hang Time Podcast. Very simple. Hang Time Podcast. Also, when you do go to his Instagram, make sure you admire his hair because he he 100% has the best hair in comedy. Uh, so that's it for us. But, you know, oh. man, we, we appreciate it. And, and, you know, if you ever end up at Zany's down in Nashville, Tennessee, like, man, we're going to come see you up there and go to LOL. You're ever in Philly. Yeah. You're ever in Philly, baby. You know I'm here. <laughs> All right. Thanks for your time, Eagle. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you, man.